cheer already. So, uh, why are you guys cheering? You think I'm a fatty? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I did come down Friday morning. Linda was going out of town. She's out of town this weekend doing a, a leadership uh, retreat for women's ministries, girls' ministry, and all that. And, and uh, I came down and I said, uh, I said, what do you think? The new me. And uh, she, she said, oh, I need to call the cops because there's an intruder in our house. <laughs> I think sometimes she's smart aleck. But I, I want to let you know we've got these cards are out on the information table. These are in, uh, impact cards. Where we we uh, print these specifically for one purpose, to get you to take them to someone. These are not necessarily informational for you. Hopefully that uh, you're, you're, you're going to be around here either way, but uh, this is something to use as a witnessing tool, as an invitational uh, tool to, to connect with people and let them know what's going on. We're starting a new series this next week coming up, and uh, these, these are, are the topics. We're going to be looking at blended families. It's kind of life and family stuff um, with just a bunch of things in that mindset. Blended families, there's actually a lot of stuff in Scripture about blended families. Almost every family in Scripture is, is a blended mentality. Um, single and loving it, there is, and that's with a question mark. We're going to look at some single things, some, uh, some other stuff with that, uh, just a lot of things along those lines. Uh, parent trap, we're going to be looking at uh, parenting. We're going to look at marriage. The, the next one, we're going to look at communication on the fifth one. And then the sixth one is sex and other embarrassing subjects. We're going to look at that. <laughs> we have videos. So um, we don't. I'm just kidding. Don't. You guys cross the line right there. You just cross the line. Uh, so you can use this as an invitational tool to ha hand to somebody, talk to them, invite them to church. Uh, specifically, you know, they're dealing with some of these kind of things. This would be a great invitational tool. I, I wouldn't suggest, like, hand it to them and say, hey, we're going to talk about sex. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, it's, you know, blended families and, and communication. And in communication, we're looking at communication across the board. We're looking at it within the context of, of relationships, workplace. Uh, we'll include some marriage and some things like that. Uh, with with how do you, how do we communicate? How what is how can we get there? I think that uh, human beings are really bad at communicating. All male and female. Okay, females don't don't get this. Ah, we communicate. Men don't. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody communicates well. So so uh, we're going to try to go over some of that kind of stuff. Come up with this next week. And I did want to mention because I told you a couple months ago I would I would let you know we the the roof is finished. We finally got the roof finished. Um, so you'll see some things around here that we're, we're going to be working on over the next couple, uh, next few months, some, some uh, like the wall and some things like that, that has, been, that has been brought to my attention a lot over the last six months. You know, about, about four or five months ago, I said, yes, I know about this, stop telling me. And all of you felt like you should tell me a lot more after that. And um, God doesn't like that kind of sarcasm, okay? He doesn't. So yes, we're going to get it all fixed. We're going to get it taken care of. Th so this, I, I want to, as we go into this this week... So going back the last, last few weeks, two weeks ago I talked about, as we looked back uh, over the last year, the, the separating ourselves from the weight that slows us down, the sin that messes with us, slows us down, traps us, those kind of things. And then uh, last week I, I looked at, um, to, to go forward in this, what it means to really see yourself from, from God's perspective. And I think that's a challenging thing for us to do as, as limited human beings, is really to see how much God really likes us and, uh, and wants to be connected with us, wants relationship, those, those kind of things. And then, and be amazed that, that I want 2018 for our church, I want us to have a, a, just, a just a freshness and a, and a just letting the Holy Spirit move through our existence and be, and be amazed at what God can do, then be surprised uh, even at how big he is. And so I want to look at this uh, weekend, 
kind of tying into that, and we're going we're gonna to have a, a time of this week of prayer and fasting. I mentioned this over the last couple of weeks to kind of prepare you so you wouldn't make a bunch of lunch dates or something. But we're going to be looking at um, uh, prayer and fasting as we carry into this week. And I want to encourage you, and I'll get more into this at the end of the week, kind of set a criteria for this. But I want to encourage you to really set some, and be thinking about this through the service, to set some very specific intentional plans for this week. To say, this is, this is what my week's going to look like. This is how I'm going to um, uh, pray and fast and couple this together and see some of that. So I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll kind of swing back to that. But, but as we go into this year, these are some of the things that we want to try to accomplish this year. This is our direction uh, for this year. Now, it, it ties into who we are. We're not making like a major directional change. We're going to try to put some emphasis on some other things uh, that, that we think will, will help in the bigger picture, okay? And the, th- this has been pretty encouraging to me over the last few weeks just to see how other people are already processing this and thinking through this. Our men's department told me uh, this a couple weeks ago what their theme is going to be for this year and specifically for the rally coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we've got um, Representative Paul Lundeen, uh, Colorado State Representative, that's going to be here and he's going to speak to us. Good man. He's, he's really become a friend of mine. He's a he's, um, good Christian guy, very intelligent, really, really a... a, a attack some some good issues morally even within our state uh some big moral issues like i-25 needs to be wider all the way to denver how many of you know that is that turns into a moral issue when you're cussing and screaming at people all down so so we thank paul and dean for that he's actually made a lot of uh, legislation and, and house bills and things about human trafficking which in in my relationship working with sarah's home and being on the board of sarah's home that's a huge thing for us and uh, he's really propelled our state forward amazingly in the last few years. So he's going to be here. The, the theme of this, and then we were sitting down and talking with him, that comes from our men's department, is uh, all in. That's what, that's, what the, that's what our men's team has is, is come up with for this year. So we just, we just want to be all in. I talked at our men's breakfast yesterday about this. Um, th- this is, I've had a lot of conversations. This is, this is why it's encouraging to me, is I really, I really can tell this is God pushing us this direction. Uh, all in is one part of it. It's not the total uh, direction that we're going as a church this year, but it really is that mindset is the foundation of it. Is there there has to come a moment in our lives when we say I'm all in, and that w- this is this is I'm I'm about Jesus. Everything else in my life is secondary. My workplace secondary. I I go to work as a representative of Jesus. I try to help my company do good as a representative of Jesus, not just because of of being a a worker there or something else, but, but I'm all in with Christ. In my marriage, I don't just want to have a good marriage. I want to have it in Christ. In my finances, I want to have that in Christ, all these different things. And so with that, um, as, as Church of Briargate, the direction we're going to go this year is that we want to try to really put emphasis on connecting um, in, a few, in two basic ways, in a few different ways extra, but two major ways, is we, wanna, we want, really want to put some, some opportunity and... and um, uh, importance to this, some priority to this in our church, that, that you need to build relationships within the body of Christ, N- not just outside the body of Christ, but you also need to do that. The idea that somebody gets saved and then they, you know, get rid of all of their friends, that, that doesn't make sense. How are they going to know Jesus if you don't tell them? How are you, you, you don't just throw them all to the, to the curb. And so we, we need to build relationships, but we also need to have some very intentional relationships that we've built within the body of Christ that are prayer partner mentoring kind of things. This is a big deal to us for our leadership around here, department heads, pastors, board members, all those kind of things, is we, we, we have to have 
um, accountability. We have to have accountability partners, prayer partners. We have to have mentoring relationships in our life. This is we 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 put emphasis on this around here that we've got to do this. And part of the reason is because specifically when your position of leadership and leadership within the church, if you don't have this accountability partner mentoring relationship in your life, you're eventually going to crash and burn and you're going to take a bunch of people down with you. That's how simple that is. And we don't want that to happen, not just for you, but for the people around you, your family, uh, church family, those kind of things. And so we want to put emphasis on um, helping develop relationships, but not just friendships. That's good too, but intentional relationships. The second part of it is, is that we want to put a lot of emphasis on um, you doing something. Get involved. Do something. The reason is, James says that faith without actually doing something, faith without works is not actually faith. It's, it's your imagination. You're not actually, you don't have faith in God. You're not actually building this relationship with God if, you're not, if it doesn't uh, translate into doing stuff. There has to be a do element, and James says faith without works is dead. It doesn't exist. It's, there's nothing there. And so we have to be doing. If you're, if you're wanting to mature in your relationship with God, you have to be doing stuff. You have to be engaging somewhere, using your gifts and abilities and actually doing stuff. And that, that, that doesn't mean, we, we've translated that in the church world as coming to church and things like that. You know, that that's not what I'm talking about. That's passive. That's not doing. That's being. And, and that's important, but that's not doing. But to actually take what God has given you and engage people, engage society, engage the, those around you with God's truth, with, with his love, with his mercy, with his grace, all these other things, um, setting up opportunities to do that is what we're going to try to accomplish. At, and we're already starting on that at Church of Briargate this year. Through, through things like our life groups, we're going to put a lot of emphasis over the next few months of making sure you know what our life groups are about what direction we're going. We're going to be adding some life groups. We're going to be adding some life groups that have to do with prayer, um, groups that get together just to pray. We're going to add, be adding some relational groups where you're just connecting together, but you're building relationships and specifically within arenas. A uh, major one is we're going to try to, to help in um, building life groups that have to do with family, marriage, life, those kind of things to where the, regardless of whether your children are young or old, or you're brand new in marriage, or been married 180 years. Somewhere along the way, we want to help you in those, build relationships, and then give you opportunity to minister in those things. Uh, we already have a, a life group around here for blended families. I know we have a marriage one. We want to start two or three more in that kind of context that, that have to do with how we can help you accomplish these things. And then just putting your hands to stuff, doing things. There's a lot of um, like busy kind of stuff that you can accomplish around here. Um, things like... Uh, like security or sound, audio, or what, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can just do things if you're wired that way. But we want to give you the opportunity to, to use your gifts and abilities and to help you mature in the kingdom of God with that. And then and really a lot of our emphasis is going to be put on you doing things outside the church, at work, starting a Bible study, praying with some guys, girls, whatever, getting together with a few people in your neighborhood and saying, hey, let's, let's get dinner once a month or something and just talk about life. And I mean, these things are not as difficult to do as you think. We just don't do it. We just don't think about it. And so we're going we're gonna to try to uh, facilitate that as best as we can from, from our pastors, our, our board, our church leadership, department heads, those kind of things. We're going we're gonna to push those things into your world. Now with that, this is important for this morning. As we step into some of these things, we, we need to have the right starting point. And the right starting point is to make sure that we're doing these things in God. Okay, you can actually do Christian stuff 
and not do them necessarily in God. You can, you can, you know, I mean, we, we, we get caught up in doing this stuff all the time. How many, I'm not trying to pick on us too much. I guess I kind of am. So uh, how many times have you gone to church, go home, and like that afternoon, you don't remember anything about the message? Please don't raise your hand at this particular point. <laughs> okay? At least help me feel a little good about what I do. But, but the reason is because we can actually, you do the same thing. You can, you can drive home from work, get home, drive into the garage, park your car, get out and realize you don't remember anything that just happened over the last 20 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? We, we get into neutral in things. It becomes just routine and neutral, and, and the kingdom of God can't be that. We have to be very intentional about this and to say, God, for, for this to be all these other things, doing, engaging, and all this, for that to be, there has to be the foundation, and Lord, it has to be about you. One of the things that we do at the uh, journey at my house one, one uh, Sunday night a month, which is next week, by the way, is um, we... We talk about the, there's an acrostic that we have that, that talks about uh, the culture of our church, who we are as a church. And the very first thing is Jesus. That, that we really are about Jesus. I, I know that you say, well, I guess we kind of know that, right? I'm not going to take that for granted. I don't, you shouldn't take that for granted. You can actually do Christianity without Jesus being that involved. And we don't want that to happen. And so we want to definitely engage uh, ourselves intentionally into this is about the Lord. And so I'm going to look at prayer this morning and try to process uh, what it means for us to really go after the Lord. I've talked about this some over the last, well, I've talked about it every now and then, but uh, Wednesday night I talked about it some too. So I want to revisit this. Uh, this is one of those things where I, even when I use the word pray or prayer, I, I get, um, I, I don't like to use that term actually. I like to say things like talk to the Lord or communicate with the Lord or whatever. Because to me, pray has a lot of uh, um, connotations to it, or baggage, or we have a lot of ideas about what pray is. And this is the first time that I noticed this was back in 1991. I was a youth pastor of a church. I just got to that church, and um, I um, we went to this uh, meeting where all these ministers in our fellowship we got together, and uh, and we were going to pray. And so my pastor said, "Hey, we're going to have prayer time." These other pastors go. So he's introducing me. All these guys are standing out in the foyer talking, hanging out. Like, hey, and they're, you know, Scott, good to have you here. And I'm a kid. I mean, these guys are all really old, like 30s and 40s. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm 21 years old. And we're talking. We're hanging out. They're talking football and golf and, you know, all the things that, that all these guys are standing around talking about. And they say, hey, let's all go in the sanctuary. We're going to have a little time of prayer. And then we're going to have lunch afterwards, this kind of thing. Here's some prayer needs. We're talking about all this. And so we go into this, to this uh, prayer meeting. We walk into the room. And I'm still talking, hey, how are you doing? And I say, okay, let's find a place to pray. And all of a sudden, this weird thing happened. All of these people changed. And all of a sudden, now they were, they were just talking normal language before, just hanging out, talking. All of a sudden, they all switched into King James, and they got really loud. And they added this thing. Now, this is more of a southern thing. If you're from anywhere north of about Oklahoma, this is not going to... But if you're from the South, you get this. They add this other thing in there, too, where they go, Duh, but after every word. Right? You know what I'm saying? Duh. Right? God Duh. loves Duh. you. You know, and I'm thinking, what happened to these people? Who were the guys? We were just standing out front. Hey, Scott, how you doing? It's good to have you. This was in West Texas. Good to have you here. All this other kind of stuff. And then we walk in there. Dear God in heaven, we want you. You know, I'm thinking, who, who are these people 
And what happened to the ones that were just standing outside? It's a weird thing that we will do when we think about things like pray, pray, or these kind of things. We, we bring a cultural, a mindset, a uh, social thing. We build, we build a Christianity mentality in this. We, we, we surround it with religion, do all this kind of stuff. And I've often wondered what God thinks about this stuff. We talked about Wednesday night. We were talking about prayer and some of the same stuff. Uh, looking at... Um, God's talking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah, and, he's, and he has this conversation with Abraham. And this is one of those scriptures we just kind of pass over. We don't realize God was actually conversing with Abraham and asking Abraham's opinion. And then Abraham has this dialogue back and forth between God. Do you think that Abraham, God says, Abraham, I'm going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. What do you think about this? And Abraham started saying, God in heaven, I want to tell you, do you really think Abraham did that? Do you think that's what happened? This is, we get this mindset sometimes that we have to posture ourselves, position, turn into something else. It's like we're schizophrenic in our relationship with God, but not in any other place of our life. And it's this weird thing that we do. And so I, I want to kind of push against that and say, that, that's, don't, don't fall into those kind of traps. That's why when I say things like prayer, I actually use terminology talking to God a lot more. Because that's how it looks in Scripture. God conversed with people, and he wanted them to talk back, and he wanted them involved. I've said this before. One of the things that I think is the most tragic little moments in Scripture is when God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. We always look at this from Adam and Eve's point of view because that's who we are. That's our representation, right? We're the people that got kicked out of the garden kind of thing. But I wonder how, how much this hurt God, how much this bothered God in the process, that he, he's kicking his friends out. And he's not going to have a relationship with anymore. And then he does these things where he's trying to connect with us and pray and interact with For we're to pray and interact with him, he wants to connect with us. And then we become these other things. And he's just wanting us to have a conversation with him. He's just wanting us to hang out with him. He's just wanting us to talk to him. And we're too much caught up in doing the spiritual stuff that we have learned from our church culture. That's actually oftentimes... Um, opposite and antithetical to what the Lord is actually trying to do, okay? And so let, let's, let's really think about this. Let's be intentional about talking to the Lord. He wants you. He created you with your personality because he likes you. This, this other thing that, that we do sometimes. I, I, years ago, I start, now I'm probably going into territory, I don't know. But years ago, I stopped kneeling down when I prayed. Anybody got an idea Why? I stop kneeling down when I, when I pray because I fall asleep. That's why. I also don't pray laying down with a pillow over my head. It's not conducive to it. I talk to my wife that way. I don't talk to the Lord that way. Oh, wait, she just came in, didn't she? Ah, she was out there. I just remember now. I just saw her walk in a few seconds ago. I'm just kidding. So... So, so here's the thing. I walk around when I pray, specifically when I'm in the church. I do the same thing at home. I walk around my living room and walk around. I walk when I pray because it keeps my mind going and I'm focused. I do the same thing when I'm talking on the phone. Specifically, if it's an important phone call, I, I will walk around. Because if not, if I sit down and my computer's there or something else, pretty soon, I, I, don't, even, I don't remember. I set the phone down. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I walk because it helps me stay focused. There's nothing spiritual about it. I, I just want to talk to the Lord. I want to stay focused on what I'm trying to talk to him about. Okay, so to really think about this, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, we understand 
that Satan is not bigger than God. I talked about that last week. Satan's going to pick on us, but he's going to lose, okay? Because we belong to God. This is a spiritual thing that we're doing. We're spiritual people. We're physical less than we're spiritual. But because we're physical, that's how we think first, because we're limited to this. But this body's going to be eventually thrown away, and God's going to give us a new one. Which I know you're thinking, what? You've already lost two pounds. It's going to be a waste. But God's going to do away with this body. He's going to give uh, me another body. And then, and then it's going to be a spiritual body. We're spiritual first. We've got to think like this. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. That sentence is not casual. That sets up the whole story. He's trying to say praying, being persistent in praying is very important. And I'm going to give you a story about it. When Luke writes this, he says the reason Jesus tells us this story is because he's wanting to show us that we should always pray and never give up. Now, this is, a, this is an important one because I get this question every now and then from Christians is, well, if I pray once, then I just give it to God. Why should I pray again? That's one thought process. Or if I pray again, isn't that a lack of faith? I hear that one sometimes. Or kind of the third version of this is if I pray over and over, isn't that where the scripture says don't have vain repetitious prayers? All of those three ideas are, are misconceptions that we create. They're not, God wants us, Jesus told this story that we should always pray and never give up. You say, what about those other things? It's not a lack of faith to continue to pray about something. In fact, to me, it's a, it's a proof of faith. You're serious about this, and you're going to the source that it proves you're serious. To me, if you ask once and move on, that's kind of a lack of faith. I, I know maybe your brain sees it different, but throw it up there once and just hope, hope it something happened. That's not a faith thing. Going back and going back and going back is a faith thing. Another process of this is the vain repetitious prayers. That's not from your heart. You can't have a vain repetitious prayer from your heart. Vain repetitious prayers come from somewhere else, from someone else, and we do it out of uh, obligation or rote or something else. In other words, um, you go to a priest and you say, hey, I've done this sin, and the priest says, uh, pray uh, five Hail Marys and 14 margaritas. Or I don't know exactly how he does the, the, uh, this, but, but you pray the Hail Mary. So then he gives you a prayer bead thing. And, and then you pray that, and you say it as fast as you can, and you, so you can get it over, and he says 14, so you got 14 beats. Uh, boom, boom. And you, and you go through these, that's vain repetitious prayers. It means nothing. It's not from your heart. It has nothing to do with you and God. It's something that you're doing out of rote and obligation because you were told to. Right? God likes it when you continuously bring stuff before him. Let's look at this. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Sorry, my screen went funny there. A widow in that city came to you repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. If you ever wondered again, there's no, co there's no coincidences in um, Scripture. Jesus doesn't just say things casually. Why does Jesus say a certain widow? Why does he use that? Why don't you just say a person? Why is he not? Is he picking on widows? He's actually trying to show us something that's pretty important spiritually is to be a widow specifically at that time frame um, in that context meant that you didn't have somebody to take care of you, to help you do things in life and, and probably wouldn't have been able to support yourself in a lot of different ways in that context. And so he says a certain widow comes to a judge because she has no other option. 
She's desperate. There, she doesn't have other things to rely on, people, circumstances, situation. There's a desperation mentality here that says that when she comes to, when this woman comes to this judge, she didn't have anywhere else to go, which I think is really good in relationship to, to our Christianity, is to be able to say, at what point is there a desperation in our heart and our spirit? Lord, I need you to do something. I need you to do something. I don't think it's bad to have desperation. In fact, I personally believe that God puts things in our life and circumstances to get us to a place sometimes where there is a desperation. Because without it, there is not a, a sincerity sometimes. As our, human, as our humanity goes along, if we can accomplish everything and do everything and there's no challenges in front of us, why do we need God? Sometimes the, the circumstances of life that really push against us and get us in a point of desperation, sometimes those things are actually from God. They're not all Satan trying to attack our life. Sometimes God is saying, you're, you're dependent on you too much. Let me take some of that out from underneath you and let me teach you what it means to truly depend upon me. And there's a desperation mentality, and I don't think that's bad. In fact, I just had a conversation with somebody this week that was praying for their kids, and they were saying um, that, um, God, whatever it takes, I want them to serve you, whatever it takes. There's a desperation, and, they, and they're getting emotional while they're saying it because they're in their head, they're thinking, what if something bad happens? What if, what if they're going through difficult things, difficult circumstances? But they said, but that's more important that they go through that and serve Jesus than just live life. And I said, I'm with you. I'll pray with you on that. Let's do this together. A desperation is not a bad thing, so this woman's desperate. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Anybody ever been there? Don't, don't raise your hand. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. I love the fact that Jesus uses a, a, a bad guy, a, a wrong mentality, an uh, incorrect association between this judge and this, and this widow to set a spiritual precedence of how God actually does the opposite, but even bigger at the exact same time. He uses the, this, this opposition kind of thing, pulling apart in a cool way there. Verse 7, even he, this, this unjust judge, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Do you see the perseverance mentality, the, the over and over kind of thinking that he's doing here? That, that, that God will do something and you cry out day and night. Now, let, let me set the stage with this because sometimes we, it, we struggle in how we look at God because of how we have designed him. Okay, It's not how, who he is, but of how we as human beings and the church has designed God. We think, well, if I've got to go to God over and over and over and beg before God, then how... How is God a loving God and a caring God if i got to beg before him? And let, me, let me say this for me personally first. Not scripturally, but personally. I have no problem whatsoever as a tiny little nothing dot in the universe crying out and begging to a holy God. I have no problem with that thought process. He's so much bigger than me that I am insignificant. The fact that he actually lets me talk to him is enough for me. Okay. Now, with that being said, he actually invites us in to his throne room to visit with him and interact with him and plead before him in boldness is the way scripture says that. So now, although I truly am a nothing insignificant human being in the big scope of things, to God I'm not. And he wants me actually in his personal presence to interact with me. And so the first thing is I have no problem with him being really big, me being really small, 
and begging him. I have no problem with that. But if you struggle with that, look at another reason that maybe this uh, seeking God, praying day and night mentality is actually good or important. I have found that sometimes just us going to God over and over and over for a specific need or something that's going on actually does some things on a few different levels that I think are important for us. One of the things is it humbles us before God. That's an important thing. As human beings, we need, we need to know he's bigger than us, and even going to him does that. I'll, I'll mention that again in a second. But another thing that it does is as I go to God, let's say, let's say I have completely selfish motivation, and I'm going to go to God and ask God for something that is not going to help me, not going to help the kingdom of God. It's just a completely selfish thing. I'm sitting there one day, and I think to myself, I need um, um, a, a jet plane. The reason I said both is because I'm old. So I want to... Uh, aeroplane, and I want a, I want a G6, right? That's what I, I feel like I need that. As a pastor, I need a G6. And so I go to God, and I begin to say, God, I need a G6. I need a G6. Even going to God and praying, I begin to realize how stupid that sounds. Why do I, I, do I really need a G6? Just opening that door to an almighty, amazing creator of everything begins to reveal to myself that maybe my request is not that legitimate, right? Another thing that it can possibly do is, as I go to the Lord with this, just opening the door in communication with an almighty God begins to soften my heart and my spirit because he truly is love, he truly is light, he truly is grace, he truly is amazing, and just trying to get into that arena with him immediately begins to soften my heart, and then it begins to uh, reveal to me that I need to repent about things, maybe wanting a G6, and all of a sudden, the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to work in my heart because the only thing I've done is I've just tried to get into his presence. The idea of this repetition, repetition kind of thing, I think a lot of times actually has to do with us. Some of the things that it does is it, is it helps us really prioritize what we're trying to do, and it does bring a desperation sometimes. It does bring this, hey, there's something bigger going on here. The, the idea that you... to to paint a picture here, somebody gets, you're, you're told, you go to the doctor, you're told you've got cancer, you've got one week to live. When you begin to pray about that, this, this day and night kind of mentality becomes a reality because there's a, there's a desperation, there's a, percent, there's a persistence that is pushed by the desperation that is, you, you have no other options. Let me tell you a little bit about how, first I look at prayer, and we even do this with our prayer partners around here, is... Um, if somebody comes to one of our prayer partners and tells them that, um, I, just, I just got cancer and I've got a week to live, we, we tell our prayer partners, this is what's not okay to pray at that particular point. This is the arena of don't do it. Well, God, um, I ask you to help them have a good, comfortable week. Why waste your breath and their time? You can call up hospice and get that done. You don't need to go to an almighty God, the ruler of everything, to say, help them be good with it this week. Help them deal with it and see that, that you're doing some really big things. We, use, we do stuff like that all the time. You know what we tell our prayer partners? If you're praying to a transcendent, amazing, miracle-working God that made stars and universes and the planet and people and everything else, why don't you just step out on a limb and say, God, heal them? Why waste their time praying something else? 
Let's, you say, well, you don't want them to have uh, comfortableness while they're dying? I don't want them to die. Let's just throw that one out there. This is one of the things that I think when it comes to praying. You pray for them like you want them to pray for you if you were in their shoes. Do you want somebody just to pray, hey, I hope this goes comfortably? No, you want to you see heaven split wide open and the glory of God come flowing down on your life and heal you up at the exact same time, maybe even lose 10 pounds in the process. I mean, you want God to do something amazing, right? You don't want to help them deal with it. But we think like that sometimes in the church world because we forget that we are serving an amazing transcendent God. And he's so much bigger than us. And he says that God likes it, this day and night prayer kind of thing, seeking him day and night. He says, again, don't think God will surely give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Now look at this. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Faith is directly tied into praying day and night for something. Directly tied. It's connected. Praying day and night is, is people that he will see as having faith when he gets back. That's a big thing. God is looking. He doesn't, he's not just looking for church people that, that do church things and give them the offering and listen to Christian radio. He's, look, he's looking for people that really know that he is God over everything. That we're thinking that way. We're living that way. We're going to our workplace with that attitude and that mindset. We're going into our communities, going to our schools saying, I'm going to put God first in everything. And God, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, and I'll keep going before you. And he says, that's faith. That's the idea of faith. So I wrote down some things that, um, that, that are just kind of connected in the way I look. When, when, this is a, this is, when I'm thinking about prayer, this is about prayer. These are the things about prayer. That prayer brings this, that prayer does this, that this is, how, um, this is what praying uh, does in our life. The first one, or is about our life, the first one is that it's faith in God. There, there is a very basic concept that says if I'm talking to God, if I'm praying, if I'm talking to God, then there must be a faith in God mentality, right? I mean, it's kind of weird if you don't believe that. I, I was looking online this last week because Oprah Winfrey says she's going to run for president. So I went back in video archives or TV show and different things, and I looked up some stuff about Oprah Winfrey. One of those things that I came across was a time specifically, and I remember talking about this 15 years ago when she first said it. But uh, she, on, on, one of her, on her morning show, she talked about how Somebody, taught, somebody was saying there, there was a woman that was sick on the show, and somebody said, well, we could pray for this person. And Oprah Winfrey says, that would be awesome if you would do that. If you would pray for somebody, that would be awesome. And you can pray to anything or anybody that you want to. And this woman said, no, we need to pray to Jesus. And she said, if Jesus is how you look at spirituality, then that's fine. If, that's, if you think that Jesus is a real person and that's how you pray, that's fine. I don't think Jesus is a real person. I think that if you get to eternity someday and it's God standing there or light or just higher enlightenment or whatever the case is, I think it's great. Talk to whoever you want. And this woman is a little bit put back because I think her and many other people, specifically women that watch daytime TV and think Oprah is a, an amazing person, she was caught off guard. She thought Oprah was a Christian. And Oprah basically said, Jesus is not real. It's your creation. You created Jesus. And this woman said, no, Jesus is God, and that's the only person we're supposed to pray to. And Oprah said, if that's who you want to pray to, that's good. I don't pray to Jesus because he's not real for me. Just remember that when she runs for president. 
But the idea is, if Jesus is not real, why am I praying? The reason I pray is because there is a faith thing that says, I believe that he's real. I believe that there is God the Father. I believe that there is the Holy Spirit. I believe that there is Jesus. He did come to this earth and put on human flesh. He did do that. He did die on the cross. And that provides relationship. His blood puts me in right relationship with God. Those are things that when I pray, those are faith things. Prayer is not just, I'm saying something to the ether. It's a real thing. God is real. There's a faith thing. The second part of this is there's a submission mentality. If I'm, if I'm praying to God, then I'm submitting to him at some particular level. Why? Because what I'm saying is um, he's bigger than I am. I'm limited and he's not. If I'm not limited, why pray? The reason I pray is because I'm limited. If God is limited, why pray? God is not limited. I am limited. Therefore, I pray. And it's trust and belief that God is real that, that makes this stuff happen. That I am asking him, specifically asking him for help or for things or circumstances to be changed. Or whatever. Why? Because I can't do it. If I could do it, why am I talking to God? Again, if it's something that hospice can take care of, why do you ask God? Ask hospice. We ask God because it's outside of our abilities and scope. The next thing is the fact that prayer is also warfare, that that's actually happening uh, when we're praying. Now, I don't preach and teach that much about spiritual warfare. I'm going to be doing some of that more this year. I'm going to be touching on but I don't do that a whole lot because I, I've been involved in situation settings in, in, a, in church, one church in specific where I was a youth pastor, that everything was spiritual warfare, everything. And then pretty soon, people are, all they're talking about is Satan and demons and, and demon possession and all this other kind of, I don't. I'm, I don't walk around worried about Satan. I found out years ago that if I just grab hands with Jesus, Satan stays way far away from me. If I just keep my eyes on Jesus, I don't have to worry about all the stuff that Satan's doing. Now, with that said, I do believe that there are specific times in life when you really need to take it to Satan. I believe that you need to attack what he's trying to do and be intentional about it. But I still believe that the very first step of that is just spend time with Jesus. The more that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to move through our life, the more Satan is going to try to stay away from us. Okay, and so warfare happens just by talking to God. When you're talking to God, you're punching Satan in the face. Even if you're not intentionally doing it. Even if, I would say this, even if, you're not, even if you don't believe in hell. That seems to be a, a thing that's becoming popular in the church today. Uh, remember the pastor up north that wrote the book, uh, I think his name was Bell, that... Um, that uh, he, he talked about how, in fact, he got on Oprah Winfrey's show after he wrote the book, coincidentally, that, uh, there, that there is a heaven, there is a God, but there is no Satan and there is no hell. Those are creations of human thinking. He said that. So here's the thing. Even if you believe goofiness like that, that there's no hell, if there's no hell, why did Jesus die on the cross? You ever thought about that? Jesus, Jesus wasted his blood if there's no hell. So even if you believe that there's no hell... When you pray, you're actually punching Satan in the face. Even if you don't think there's a Satan, <laughs> you're actually punching him in the face. Because submission to God like that, um, that's what happens. So the next part of this in prayer is the actual concept of submission. That, that, um, that, that when we're praying, God is, we're saying, God, okay, I believe in you. Then there's the warfare mentality. Then the next step is kind of the natural progress of, process of thinking is God's will. That when we're praying, we're actually submitting this submission 
attacking Satan and the kingdom of hell and all this kind of stuff. We're actually saying, God, I desire your plan and your will. Now, I don't believe the idea that, that sometimes gets pushed around the church that we have to pray God's will for everything. Okay? This, this is something specific, like when you get into like the Methodist Baptist groups, they're Christians, they're good people. I'm just saying this is a thought process I don't agree with, is that you pray something, whatever you pray, if it be God's will. If it be God's will. If it be God's will. All right? Um, the, the way that I heard it a lot when I was a kid is Lord willing. That became a, stay, a saying rather than a true spiritual prayer mentality, but it came from a prayer mentality, Lord willing. And actually, my grandfather used to say, if the creek don't rise, then Lord willing. I didn't understand that until I got older and realized when the creek rose back in the day, that was a big deal. Nowadays, we got bridges. But either way, so <laughs> Lord willing, Lord willing, you know, if this and Lord willing. Like we can't say, like if you say, well, I'll, next week I'm going to do this, well, Lord willing. Let me help you out with this. There's another religion that does this too. It's called Islam. The Muslims, after every statement, will say a statement that basically translate, if it be Allah's will. Right? If it be Allah's will. So at the end of every statement, boom, if it be Allah's will. And then we kind of embrace this in the church thing, well, if it's Lord's will. Well, here, let me help you out with a few things. There are certain things that are said in Scripture that we already know God's will. He said this is his will. If you're praying for your cousin to get saved, you don't have to say if it be God's will. It is God's will that your cousin get saved. It is God's will. There are certain things that we don't have to pray if it be God's will. Now, if you're praying for a G6, you should pray if it be your will, God. Right? Because sometimes we're just, we're just talking in our own self and our own selfishness and our own. Now, that doesn't make us bad people. It just makes us human. And that's where you have to say, now, God, if it's your will, if not, help me. Clean, clean my mind out, my spirit out, so that I know what your will is, so I can pray that. Right? So there is a, there is a God's will mentality already uh, in, engaged with. I'll tell you one thing with, with healing. This is a big one with me with healing. I don't pray if it be your will with healing. Because in Isaiah 53, it says that by his stripes you are healed. That means at the cross he did that. I don't have to pray that, God's will for that. Plus, do you really think, I know I'm picking on us here, and some of you are going to disagree with this statement, strong. Do you really think God's sitting in heaven and you say, I just found out I had cancer and I want you to heal me, and God's like, no, I'm not really into healing you. Do you really think that's what God's thinking? Can you find that in Scripture? Can you find somewhere where Jesus said to somebody, no, it's not my will? It doesn't exist. In fact, when they came to him and said, um, Lord, if it's your will, you could heal my daughter. He said, it's my will. So I don't pray God's will on healing. I pray God heal them. There's, there's things that we do sometimes when it comes to prayer that we, we get some really weird ideas. We get some like New Age stuff. We get some other religions. We get some Eastern mentality. And it blends into Christianity Let's go to the Bible for this stuff. Submit to God. That's what happens. God's will, spiritual warfare, all that stuff is happening while we're praying. All that stuff is happening. So then the last part of this, and I, and I, I push this a lot around here. I want to I say some very definitive statements about this so you don't misunderstand where we are as a church with this. The last part of this is praying in the Spirit. That needs to be an, a, an, a crucial um, element of, of um, prayer. Now, when we say praying in the Spirit, and I'm going to show you a scripture about this in a little bit, that does not mean, okay, sometimes people will change that and say, well, that just means praying spiritually. 
What? Show me non-spiritually praying. All prayer is spiritual. That's not what he's saying. What he's specifically saying is, when you pray in the Spirit, that you're praying in non-your language, praying in spirit language. That's what we call praying in tongues. And we're praying in the Spirit. It's not of us. It's of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Then all of this brings relationship. Every single bit of this brings relationship. Right? When you're praying, you're actually connecting, relating. You're, and, and hopefully you're learning, as you pray, you're learning um, back and forth. That's the, I'll tell you a big thing. As we're going into praying fasting, a whole week of fasting this week, one of the things, the biggest thing I believe that fasting brings to the table coupled with praying is that you hear God. You hear His voice. You sense God. Spirit, there is a relational connection that happens much easier when you're fasting and praying at the same time. Why? Because fasting takes some other things off the table that get in the way. Okay? I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I, I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You, you, you can understand just by reading that sentence that those are uh, polar opposites, right? Worrying is one ideology. Praying about everything is a different mindset. It's a theology. Worrying is from us. Praying about everything is from the, the Lord, right? They do not cooperate together. The way you attack worrying is you pray. The way you attack praying is you worry. They're not the same thing. Don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. My, my wife has been saying this for 25 plus years, is thank God on this side of the miracle. That's, that's a mindset. That's a faith mindset that says, when I talk to God about something, I trust and believe that He is going to do it, so I thank Him now. I thank Him. The miracle hasn't been realized yet, but I thank Him because He's an amazing God. If I'm praying about everything, thank him for the stuff. And then specifically thank you for things that have been realized. If God does something, you say, well, that could have been coincidence. This is one that gets me all the time about Christians. Um, we, you know, okay, you got cancer, you got a week to live. We pray, pray, pray. They go back into the doctor. We don't know what happened. All the cancer is gone. And then they come and say to me, after we've been praying, got the whole church praying, people all over the country praying, and you're, you're, you have no cancer, they come back to me and say, wow, um, the cancer went into remission. What? Did it? Because last week you were dying. Went into remission. Why don't we just say, even if, even if there is such a thing as remission, and even if that is what is happening, let's just be weird and crazy, fanatical Christians and say, thank you, God. I know that's weird. I know we're out there with that one. That makes us weirdos, all right? But let's just we, you were praying about it. If you're praying about it, and then the doctors that told you you had cancer now tell you you don't have cancer, why don't you just thank the Lord for it? To me, that's actually rational thinking. Okay, right? Thank God. Thank God for this stuff. Then verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I usually quote verse 7, but it's important to notice that that to get to verse 7, we got to go through the prayer about everything. Don't worry. Um, thank God about this stuff. Then the Holy Spirit brings peace into your life. And it's amazing peace. Mental and emotional. Heart and mind. Mental and emotional peace. That's pretty strong. 
Ephesians chapter 6. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Now you tell me where theologically the church has come up with that praying in the Spirit is not legitimate. Or praying in the Spirit is just spiritual praying. It's before you was carnal praying, now you spirit praying. Where do we come up with this stuff? And it's specifically Spirit, capital S, it's saying pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray, let the Holy Spirit be in that prayer. Let it be Holy Spirit prayer. And pray in the Spirit at all times. So let's go back to the God's will thing. It is God's will that every single one of us in this building learn to understand and learn to pray in the Spirit, specifically saying pray in tongues. It is God's will. He just said it. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. It's important for us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, look, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. Do you realize he's also talking about how you're praying for others, you pray in the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows a lot more than you do. I'm going to show you this scripture in a second too. Holy Spirit knows a lot more than you do. You, you don't always know how to pray about things. I think some of us around here in this church have experienced this last year. This kind of mentality where you're praying, you're praying, and your heart is hurting, and you're, you're calling out to God for somebody, but you run out of human words to be able to explain this. You run out of human words to be able to say, God, help them, help this moment, help this circumstance. And you get to the end of you, and that's when the Holy Spirit says, it's okay, I got this. You begin to pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to pray through you and prays way better and deeper and bigger than you ever could. That's, it's important that we have this. Paul is very serious. And by the way, he says this many times in Scripture. He's very serious, very clear about this. Don't try to just do this in yourself. Again, we're spiritual people. You can't do this by yourself. You, you, you're, you're not the Lone Ranger. You've got to have the God of the universe helping you through these things. You've got to. Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks to them. That's one of the things that we really want to raise the bar around here at Church of Briargate this year. Is we want to pray, we want to pray for each other, and we want to pray for the next sentence. Pray for other things outside of Church of Briargate. Pray for this, this way for kings, for all who are in authority. Pray for the president. Pray for Congress, Senate. Pray for the Supreme Court. Pray for our military. Pray for pray for your pastors. I, I beg you to pray for me. This is this is not. Um, this is not that easy of a job sometimes. I don't mean stuff like um, preaching or actually th that can be a challenge sometimes when you're getting it from different places and angles of what to do, what not to do or whatever. But, you know, dealing with the finances of the church, or whatever, those, are, those are things that I've been doing this 27 years. I can do that stuff. I'm talking some of the bigger stuff where we're walking with people through difficult circumstances and really seeing Satan trying to tear a family apart or, or something else and to, to, to stand in there with them and, and help them and pray with them. and others. Pray for our pastors. Pray for our, our, our board. Pray for our leadership. Pray for the people in the church. Pray for our government. Pray for any, anybody you can imagine. Pray for them. He's, 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 he's asking us this. This is important. He says this is good and it pleases God. It pleases God when we pray for people. Pleases God when we pray for our government. This is not a hands-off kind of thing. It's too important. This, this is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved 
and to understand the truth. If anybody ever comes to you with what we call limited atonement, which means Jesus didn't die for everybody, only wants certain people to be saved, read that scripture to them. Who wants everyone to be saved? God wants everyone to be saved. He didn't pick some people. I've always thought this is interesting. The people, the people that stand so much for limited atonement, in other words, Jesus only died for some, they always include themselves in the some. I've never heard anybody say, Jesus only died for some people, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> they, what? I've never heard anybody say that. It's always Jesus died for some of us. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray. This is what I was talking about yesterday at the men's breakfast. Men, let's be men. Let's stand up and lead. Let's lead our families. Let's serve God. Let's lead our children. Let's, let's lead our workplaces. Let's, let's be who God has called us to be. Paul is saying here to Timothy, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. That doesn't make you a girly man. That makes you a man. It doesn't make something wrong with you. You're not a weirdo. You're not one of those um, fanatical, softy Christian men kind of thing. It's the other way around. You're actually a man. You've got enough guts to raise your hands and surrender to God in front of everybody else. That's a man thing. That's not a wimp. Wimps stand there wishing they could. Wimps stand there worried about what everybody else is thinking. Men say, God, I'm going to worship God. I don't care who it upsets. I'm going to worship God. By the way, it doesn't upset people. Okay, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. You know one of the ways to combat anger and controversy that, that, that can attack men consistently is surrender to God. You raise your hands, serve God, worship God in a public setting, and it will automatically soften the edges of the stuff that you're struggling with in your community, in your workplace, and everything else. You'd be amazed that you say, it doesn't work that way. Do it and see if I'm right. Just see if I'm right. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and that cannot be expressed in words. In other words, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're not praying in words that you understand. That's praying in tongues. You're not praying in words you understand. The Holy Spirit is praying through you to God in words that you don't know, deeper than you have the ability to understand, higher than you have the ability to reach. The Holy Spirit will pray through you and do supernatural things in that context. And by the way, that's an, that it, it sounds lazy almost, but that's the easiest place, I think, to go to. Pray in the Spirit. You don't have to know. You don't have to, you don't have to try to figure it out. For me, that's a lot easier sometimes than trying to figure out all the stuff. And you want to go back to God's will? You're praying in the Spirit. You're always praying God's will. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to say, God, do this if it be your will. He's God too. He knows. It is God's will. Pray in the Spirit. Even if you don't totally understand what's going on, you won't. I do believe, let me throw this out here. I do believe as you, as you do this more and you learn this and you kind of get it and you mature in this, I think you, I, I know that I do. <clears throat> I can sense what the Holy Spirit is doing sometimes, a lot of times. <clears throat> I know where the Holy Spirit is going. I don't know what he's saying, but I can sense what the Holy Spirit is praying about and kind of how he's praying. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, 
this, this is kind of my way of processing, so I have to be careful how I'm saying this, like I'm teaching it or something, because I think it's different for all of us. <clears throat> but I'll be praying about something. Um, the sky is blue. And then I'm praying the Spirit. And then I'm praying the sky is blue. And I'm praying the Spirit. And I can sense that those are connecting on a spiritual level, and I'm praying properly along with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And you can tell I'm doing, I'm, we're tracking together. It, it's, it's, it's good in my spirit. We're, we're on the same page with this. Not all the time, but, but sometimes with that. So <clears throat> that one's free. I didn't tell that to first service. All right. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. You don't know. But the Father knows. Do you understand this is not just praying spiritually. This is praying in tongues. The Father knows. The Holy Spirit knows. But you don't know. Well, if, this is, if you're praying in your language, then you know. So that can't be what it's talking about. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit's saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This week, why don't you stand with me? This week, this is what we're going to do. And I want you to, to process this right now. I want you to, my desire for this, to push you this a little bit, is to make a commitment before you leave here. Make a commitment right now. You're making the commitment to you and God. You're not making it to me. You're not making it to somebody else. But say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time praying every single day this week. I'm gonna, not just the normal, okay, maybe you pray this time of day, you know, you're steering wheels, an altar, or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying take a complete, separate, sanctioned time where you say, God, I'm going to commit this time to you. All right? Make that decision. Make that decision. We're going to pray about it in a second. Make that decision right now. This is the time. Now, you know you. If you're not a morning person, don't set your alarm for four in the morning tomorrow to pray. Then the only thing that happens is you bust your alarm. Nothing beneficial happens from that. If you're a, if you're a morning person, get you some morning time. If you're an evening person, get evening time. And say, God, and if the only time you can really function between 11 and 1, let it be right in the middle of the afternoon. But you say, this is the time. Lord, I'm going to set some time. Make a commitment in your mind, your spirit right now. Make a commitment. This is what I'm going to pray this week. I'm going to spend some time with God. The second thing is to couple this with fasting. Let's, let's push ourselves a little bit. Let's stretch ourselves. Okay, if you say, well, I'm going to, I have four cups of coffee every day at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to do away with the first one. Now, come on, let's try a little harder than that. Let's really push ourselves at, at lunch every day this week or something. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go without this. Or here's a big one. I'm not going to get on social media. My social media time is you time, God. That's a good six or seven hours for some of you. You can just lock out six or seven hours of just God time. Let's, let's be very specific and let's stretch ourselves. God, I want to spend some time with you, fasting, food, or, or, or social media or something. Now, husbands, wives, don't say, I'm going to fast talking to my spouse this week. Come on. Let's, be, let's do this right. All right, and then the third thing is let's expect God to do something. Now, let me give you a little insight that I learned the hard way through this. Years ago, when I first began to process and fast, when I say expect God to do something, I thought it was going to be during the fast. That's not the way it happens. You know, what, you know what's happening during the fast? You're really hungry. Doesn't feel spiritual. None of that kind of stuff. It's after it's over and you bite into that bacon cheeseburger the very first time that the heavens open. And the Lord smiles now. I say that jokingly, but really it's after the fast is over that you feel God's presence. Okay? That's when you're, you, you realize God did something. All of a sudden, it's like God's right here and he used to feel so far away. It's expecting to do something. Just don't expect it to feel and connect and everything while you're fasting. Okay? 
So let's pray. God, we ask you to help us right now. Every one of us in this room, Lord, open up our spirit and help us to commit this, this, this week to you and help it to be something that starts something new and fresh within us. Lord, I want to pursue you. I want to pursue you with everything about me, and I want every one of us in this room to pursue you, Jesus. That we want your Holy Spirit to move in our minds and our hearts and change things and do stuff. Lord, we pursue you. So God, help us right now. Just make some very simple decisions of, of uh, some direction, some discipline that we're going to bring into this week. God, that we're going to couple this with fasting. We're going to seek after you, and we're going to push some other things away to get, get, get out of our way and clean up our, our mind, our spirit, and our body a little bit so we can hear you, so we can get close to you. God, we, we need you. We need you. Lord, Church of Berg, we need you. So, Lord, help us to make that decision right now. Lord, for every one of us in here, put it in our hearts. We can do this. We can do this. In the name of Jesus. And then, God, I ask you to, to really connect with us. Help, help everybody in here. Don't let anybody walk away this week feeling guilty because they, they didn't do this right or whatever, Lord. I, we know this isn't sinning, Lord, if we fail on a fall into a buffet this week. God, we ask you to help us. Help us not to be condemned, not to feel guilty. Lord, just, just keep going. Lord, put that in our spirit right now. We can walk forward in this. We can do some big things. And God, help us to set the stage for some of the stuff you've been wanting to do around here for a long time. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So you know, you know your time. You know what's going to happen here. Just, just walk in this. Do this. Maybe before you get home, tell somebody. Uh, tell a spouse. Call up a friend and say, hey, uh, I'm going to be doing this. Help me do this. Um, we can do this. You can do this. All right? God will honor it in your life. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Tell somebody about Jesus. Take the impact card. Use that as an opportunity to tell somebody about the Lord, and God will, God will honor that in your life. So shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. We will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.